Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Farzi Misugi and the host of the Chiefstone Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope you're all having a great week as Labor Day weekend just upon us. Just a little over a week away. So uh, everyone, of course, working away in uh, the holiday weekend just around the corner. A lot of people back to school uh, for those who are teachers, you know, back at work now. But uh, that, that holiday break... Uh, just after going back to school it is right around the corner for those who are in that industry or for those who are students that uh, break is coming up and uh, that break also means that football season is upon us just a couple of weeks away before we see Atlanta visit Philadelphia to kick off the 2018 NFL season and a lot of Chiefs news to get into so we have very little time to waste let's get right into it but first want to let you guys know you guys can get involved with the podcast in a couple of ways. You guys can interact with me by talking to me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 plus my email Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button as well and let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast as well. Kansas City and Chicago will play this weekend in which is the tune-up game. The third preseason game, of course, the more significant preseason game. That's probably the one that, if I had to guess, and I've never looked into this, it's probably the preseason game that gets the highest amount of ratings with the exception of the Hall of Fame game. That would be my guess. Uh, But I'm sure those week three preseason games, those are the ones that have the most eyes, have the most viewers before the regular season gets underway. And for Kansas City, there might be one new face on the field this Saturday when they go to Soldier Field, and that is Orlando Skandrick. When we last did an episode of the podcast, we talked about the possibility of Orlando Skandrick. The Chiefs are very interested in him. He quickly went to Kansas City just shortly after being let go by Washington and signed with the team, practiced for the first time on Tuesday, Signed him to a one-year deal worth $1.5 million. Uh, He was, as I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast, I'll mention it again real quickly, taken 143rd overall in the 2008 NFL Draft in the fifth round, just a couple of picks after Brandon Carr, who he played with in in, in Dallas for a little bit, and now these two have basically swapped teams despite being drafted so close at the same time. Uh, But for Skandrick, 11.5 sacks, 8 forced fumbles, 8 picks, in 10 seasons, and that 10 seasons includes 2015, in which he missed all of that season due to an injury. But he he certainly adds depth. He has a lot of starting experience with the Dallas Cowboys, and he adds a lot of depth to a Kansas City defensive backfield, more specifically at the cornerback position, That that's very thin right now. David Anderson has not looked very good in the two preseason games. He's a guy that I was very excited uh, when the signing was made, now at the time, keep in mind, Fuller had been unofficially traded for and Peters was still on the team. Uh, but but I've always thought Amerson was an underrated guy. And so far, we haven't really seen anything good from him in the preseason. He's been picked on quite a lot and quarterbacks have had a lot of success throwing at his direction. And he's certainly a guy who needs to step it up a little bit. Who knows with this addition, if he's on the roster bubble Personally, I don't think so. A lot of fans think that he could be on the chopping block, but I, I I disagree because I think you need 
Emerson, Fuller, and Skandrick. Add in the fact that Steven Nelson has a concussion and might be out for some time. I mentioned this last week. You never know with concussion. Everyone recovers from that different. Everyone recovers from every kind of injury very differently. The timetable for a torn ACL, it's roughly the same for a lot of players, but for something like a concussion, uh, everyone comes back at a different time. Some some players will miss one game. Some will miss an entire month or maybe half a season. So you don't know exactly when Steven Nelson will return to the team. And I think you need, considering who you have uh, behind Fuller and Amerson, you don't have a lot of guys. That's why the Chiefs picked up Orlando Skendrick. And I think he's going to add some depth to this football team. Maybe he gets starting role and they put Fuller or Amerson to a different position. Maybe have one of those guys play a nickel position. We know how great Fuller is at that position. But considering that you don't have a lot to work with, maybe they do put Fuller as one of the starters on this football team. Maybe he does have that number one role. Uh, at some point, he, he he has to play that role. And I, maybe he does keep that at the, ta- at the at the same time. So we're not exactly sure what the Chiefs are going to do. They have a couple of games and several practices to figure all of that out before they face the LA Chargers in a couple of weeks. And that'll be on September the 9th when they visit them in LA. But... Uh, prior to that, uh, you know, the Kansas City doing what they need to do right now, addressing this quarterback position. N- really, no one knows exactly what's going on with Bashad Breeland. He's been very quiet right now uh, in terms of who he wants to sign with. Given uh, the Chiefs released Charkandrick West, which I'll get into shortly, that freed up a little bit more than $1.6 million in cap space. So essentially, what you signed with, uh, what you're paying Orlando Skandrick uh, you're basically making up for it by releasing Charkandrick West. And the Chiefs have roughly around $8 million. And listen, I'm not going to be opposed to the idea of also signing Bashad Breland because, first of all, I don't think you can ever have enough good cornerbacks in the NFL. Look at the Denver Broncos. They had Aqib Tlaib. They had Chris Harris and Bradley Roby for the longest time. Those three guys as their cornerbacks. And that's a huge reason why they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when Peyton Manning wasn't playing very well. And sure, they got lucky there. Obviously, Chris Harris, a very underrated guy, was undrafted. Aqib Tlaib, he had been moving around here and there. Teams weren't really confident in him, but he had some good years in Denver. And of course, Bradley Roby, who they took in the first round, despite already having two great cornerbacks, just adding more depth, a lot of power to that cornerback position. So... Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying what the chiefs have right now is anything similar to that, but what I'm saying is, uh, you can never have enough help at that position, especially with how much of a pass heavy league the NFL has turned into the past 10 years and you need all the help you can get. So look, if they can get Orlando Skandrick to a one and a half million dollar deal, Hey, look, I, I don't think. Uh, adding Bashad Breeland, Breeland, excuse me, to a two uh, million dollar deal, two and a half million to three million dollars for a one year contract. I don't think that's anything out of line. Uh, certainly would be wise to bring him in. And again, like I said, you need players at that position, especially if there's uh, any indication that Steven Nelson could be out for uh, a lot longer than some might expect. So there's that. As Orlando Skandrick, officially a Kansas City Chief. Has been practicing with the team this week. Tuesday he practiced for the first time. And maybe gets a chance to play on Saturday. Had this been a regular season game. 
probably would have held him out. We saw Reggie Ragland. He, he didn't play for a couple of regular season games. Uh, Darrell Rivas didn't play the first game despite, you know, quote-unquote, knowing the defense like the back of his hand uh, because he had familiarity with Bob Sutton. But you get the idea. Um, luckily, we have a couple of preseason games still to go, so Orlando Skinner can kind of get used to things and get used to Bob Sutton's defensive scheme and also work with Emma Thomas, who, of course, one of the best uh, defensive backs coaches in the NFL today. Uh, I alluded to this uh, just a moment ago, but the Chiefs did announce that they released running back Charkandrick West. Uh, somewhat surprising, but also not surprising. I say surprising because he was the backup last year to Kareem Hunt. Obviously not the expected role considering what happened to Spencer Ware last year around this time. But uh, Charkandrick West did a great job filling in for Kareem Hunt when his number was called. He he certainly will do well as a backup elsewhere, but he missed a lot of time this offseason due to a head injury but as far as Kansas City's concern goes, look, they're going to be fine. This is still, even with, with cutting Charkandrick West, still a very, very crowded backfield. And they're going to let go of another good running back, maybe two good running backs. Uh, because all the running backs that I mentioned, and we talked to Matt Miller about this over the summer, early in the summer, when we talked about this position group, all of these guys, uh, the three uh, running backs whose last names are all Williams, uh, Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West, who obviously was just cut. These are all guys who can certainly add depth to all 32 teams. At the very least, these aren't roster bubble guys. These are not guys who are fighting for roster spots number 51, 52, and 53. These are guys who can be viable backups. Or if there's an NFL team that doesn't have a viable starter, well, at the very least, you can rotate some guys here and there, and some of the guys who the Chiefs have, Damian Williams, uh, Daryl Williams, uh, Spencer Ware, I mean, these are guys who can certainly come in and out. Charkandrick West led the team in rushing in a, a couple of years ago when Jamal Charles was out with a knee injury in 2015, uh, spent four years with Kansas City. I know he wasn't as good as he was uh, when he filled in for JC that year, but uh, still one of the uh, one of the uh, better backup running backs that you could ask for in the NFL. A guy who definitely can add a lot of depth. And you know this is a great problem to have on a football team. You have so many great players at one position. Uh, and listen, under Andy Reid's offense, what running back doesn't do well? We saw what he did in Philadelphia with LaShawn McCoy and Brian Westbrook. Jamal Charles, as great as he was before Andy Reid got here, he turned it into an even better running back. Under Andy Reid. And then when Jamal Charles went down, Charkandrick West plays very well. Charkandrick West gets injured. Spencer Ware does very well. So you've had, a, and of course, Kareem Hunt. Don't forget about him in the rookie season he had last year leading the league. And I know Ezekiel Elliott missed some time uh, due to the suspension. You can never apologize for that. You just take the hand that you're dealt with. And uh, at the end of it, it was Kareem Hunt who led the league in rushing. As a rookie. So, you know any running back that plays under Andy Reid is just going to do well one way or another. And it's good to see Kansas City have that kind of a problem. It's a great problem to have. At the same time, I kind of wish Brett Veach and company maybe focused a little bit more on other positions. Because I feel like with Andy Reid being able to have these players play to their potential and even above it. And we just talked about the cornerback position. Maybe there would have been... More appreciation if they focus more on another position. I don't know. That's just 
that's just my call right there. Keep in mind with that quarterback position, you ended the season with Marcus Peters and Darrell Revis as your as your starting cornerbacks. Darrell Revis obviously retired, and Marcus Peters was traded away. So uh, the Chief, Kendall Fuller, of course, a great pickup, and I think David Amerson, I think he he can do some special things. Uh, certainly not a Marcus Peters caliber type of player, but very underrated guy, a good cover quarterback uh, from years past. I know this preseason has not been any reflection of that. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, people will always say it's the preseason and you don't take these games too seriously. And some will say that patterns that happen in the preseason can occur in future games. You know, everyone's going to have their difference of opinion on on preseason games. And we can never come to an agreement on those kinds of things. That's just the way it is. That I learn that more and more every preseason. But uh, nonetheless, uh, hopefully the Chiefs can... Uh, can get going at that cornerback position. If they can get one more guy, maybe Breland's, Breland's the guy. Maybe he's not interested anymore considering the Chiefs did pick up Skandrick. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I digress. Uh, Kansas City does have a lot of great running backs to to, to work with right now. Uh, but certainly, you're going to have another guy get cut. I kind of wonder if the Chiefs will start September the 1st, which is when the roster cuts are. If they'll go into September the 2nd with six running backs... Because with all the running backs you have on your football team right now, you can definitely use one or two of them as trade bait. I'm not saying they have six running backs going into September the 9th against LA. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying for the time being, right after the roster cuts happened, they have six running backs and they try to work something out where they trade a a guy for another player or at least get a draft pick out of it because... You definitely uh, have a lot of good players at that position. And I, I kind of wonder if Andy Reid and Brett Beach will have that kind of a strategy when they start evaluating the roster and work on their roster cuts. Final topic I wanted to talk about before we go to the closing segments here. Andy Reid indicated on Wednesday, that Chief Safety Eric Berry, who has a sore heel and has yet to play in the preseason, will likely be kept out for the remainder of the preseason. My my re- reaction to that, great. I don't care to see Eric Berry in the preseason. Sure, I'd like to see him, you know, kind of get his feet well a little bit and just get used to things. It's been a while since we've last seen him, but Keep in mind, he didn't participate in OTAs in 2015 nor 2016. 2015, of course, he was still uh, having his battle with cancer, which he just completely knocked out and won. Phenomenal story. Everyone knows about that. 2016, uh, didn't participate in OTAs that year. No specific reason given at the time. Uh, But he still played. Actually, I I, I take that back. The the contract was was a thing at the time, so... Uh, but still played very well both seasons, especially in 2016. And he can pick things up faster than a lot of players at this safety position. I mean, I'm sure Andy Reid is doing this, but I'd like to see him just ease back into the starting role. Uh, hopefully he will be ready in week one against the Chargers. And that's why they could be holding him out, just to be cautious uh, because Philip Rivers is, and look, say what you want about Philip Rivers. I know people like to poke fun at him and all, but Philip Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks out there. And Kansas City will need all of their best defensive players available for that football game. That's why I think it's so crucial as to who they pick as the starting two cornerbacks going into that football game. We'll still see the third guy out of Skandrick, Fuller, and Amerson. I mean, they'll still be very active in that game. You're going to need a lot of uh, nickel packages 
against uh, against LA. But man, uh, you're going to need your best players for this game because you certainly can never underestimate Philip Rivers. And who knows if Pat Mahomes gets off to a slow start in his first year as a primary quarterback for the Chiefs. A fast start is certainly eminent for Kansas City, especially if you have a division rival as your opponent in week one. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. What am I looking forward to in the third preseason game? Look, it's the more significant preseason game. You have the starters playing for a little bit longer than expected. Uh, you know, when the Chiefs got that touchdown with Tyree Kill, they did it against some of the Atlanta backups. Uh, a very cool play. I don't want get, to get any, any, any of that wrong or any of that mixed up with you guys. But at the end of the day, it was against backups, and I want to see something. I just want to see something going with this offense. Uh, I, I, everyone knows they have the potential. Let's see it against some of the starters against Chicago's defense, because I think it would be encouraging to see. Uh, because it's very likely that you rest all of these guys in that fourth preseason game. I mean, look, maybe you see them for one or two plays, but. Man, uh, you never want to risk injury at all, and it, it's part of the sport, unfortunately, but uh, you'll get out of this third preseason game healthy. Hopefully, Amerson can have a bit of a better game. That certainly would be nice to see, and, and with Chicago still kind of learning things under Matt Nagy, former Chiefs offensive coordinator, uh, maybe they have some growing pains there, and maybe that'd be an opportunity for Amerson to gain some confidence and have a better game. Not saying he has to have an interception necessarily, but maybe not allow, allow so many big plays or commit penalties like he did in the first game. Uh, and, and I think that would be uh, a, a good sign to see from Kansas City's defense. Another thing I'd like to see is just the pass rush. We haven't really seen much of that, and I don't think that's been discussed much by a lot of people uh, among the media and the fans. Uh, Justin Houston and D Ford. I, I mean, w- what kind of a duo will that be? Justin Houston, of course, uh, you know he he's been out for a, a while with that knee injury. Came back last year, wasn't the Justin Houston that we're used to seeing. Not at least the 2014 Pro Bowl form, who came close to breaking the single-season sack record, but at the same time, uh, you know the potential's there. You know the potential's there with D. Ford. He showed it for half a season. You have Breland Speaks and Tano Passigno, uh, guys who were both drafted in the second rounds uh, each the past two years. So you, you've got some some guys who are climbing up uh, at that position, so hopefully D. Ford and Justin Houston can, can do well uh, and, and maybe show a little something in this preseason game as well to show that, hey, this front seven can still be good as it was uh, before 2017 when it was one of the best in the NFL. We haven't seen Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens. We still have not seen that duo yet. They've yet to make their debut as Chiefs. Uh, I mean, Reggie Ragland has, but uh, he's had a full offseason under Kansas City for the first time. So that's why I kind of consider this his debut, as as odd as it sounds. But being right next to Hitchens, I think, will definitely uh, bode well and go a long way for him and the rest of this defense. But uh, it'd be nice to see those two guys work together for the first time. Uh, maybe we'll see it in this preseason game. Maybe not. Uh, but nonetheless, hopefully they'll be ready uh, by week one. I said this on social media, and I'll say it uh, here as well. I do not want to, considering what we've seen on defense so far, and I read some of the numbers in the last podcast, how they did against the starting uh, offense against Atlanta, more specifically on the ground. I don't know if I want to live in a world in 2018 where the Chiefs defense is going to be without Eric Berry Anthony Hitchens, and Reggie Ragland. Those three guys have yet to play this preseason. Eric Berry probably not going to play at all. And so far from what we've seen, 
This rush defense is not very good. And again, it's the preseason. You got to consider that as well because players are uh, trying to get acclimated. Some of them dealing with some soreness or some injuries and they never want to risk that in a preseason game. Uh, but gosh, I I, I want to see those three guys in week one. I really do. And hopefully they'll be available because I think that will definitely help Kansas City's defense improve. I've said for a while, I know a lot of people are not very high on this defense. I'm not necessarily... Hi, I'm not, I don't have high expectations from this defense, but I do think this defense will improve. And I think those two linebackers, uh, I mean, keep in mind, last year, your starting two inside linebackers were DJ and Rameek Wilson, both who have moved on uh, for teams in California. DJ with the Raiders and Wilson with the, with the Rams. And now you've got Ragland and Hitchens, who have had an offseason to work together. Uh, Ragland joined late last season. And Hitchens signed uh, on the first day of free agency. So hopefully those guys have had plenty of time to get used to each other, get used to the defense, and they'll be ready for the Chargers in week one because that is going to be a crucial game. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything right now you're preparing for that week one game, and it's a divisional game, which makes it even more important to come away with a win uh, because if you start 0-1, you're 0-1 in the six divisional games that you have, and those divisional games are crucial for tiebreakers. And I, a lot of people have different predictions for this division. Chiefs fans are kind of upset and they feel disrespected because the Chiefs are back-to-back division, divisional champs two years in a row. Uh, but listen, I, I can understand the other side of the coin where people have questions about Pat Mahomes and how he, how he'll do. Um, it's not for certain. So uh, people always have those concerns uh, when a young quarterback is being inserted into a, into a system, especially if he didn't play that first year. Uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad reason for Mahomes. We all know why that was the case. But at the same time, uh, everyone has different predictions for this division. They really do. And it's probably going to be very close. All four teams might finish within a game or two. That that was the case in 2011. Three teams finished with an 8-8 eight eight record, uh, and the Chiefs finished 7-9. and nine. So all teams within a game of one another. Uh, and I think this season could be similar where you see all four teams... Perhaps, probably finish within two games of one another. At the very least, I think there could be three teams who finish within two games of each other. I, I think that's how competitive this division could be. And it's very important that the Chiefs have all of their best players available uh, for that week one game. Uh, you start the season 1-0 and 1-0 in the division, and that is going to be very crucial, and that'll give you that jump start you need to stay ahead in the division and increase your chances of winning the division Later on, and of course, that guarantees you a home playoff game. I know that hasn't meant anything to Kansas City since the 90s, but uh, hey, look, I'd, I'd rather keep getting opportunities at home in the playoffs uh, more so than not. So hopefully the Chiefs can get off to a good start and have all of their players ready for week one. Uh, considering how big, how important uh, a good start is, and in the fact that it's a division rival, it definitely will be a big game, a crucial game for both teams, especially the Chiefs going into the season opener. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. So the NFL announced some clarification with the helmet rule, uh, which really wasn't much of a clarification in my opinion. Uh, But they did say that there won't be any rule changes made. I I know Richard Sherman, I'm sure you guys all saw, uh, he uh, put out a, a post on social media expressing his frustration with the rule. And I mentioned this last episode too. I, I think this is going to be very interesting 
for defenses. It's going to be an interesting year. I mean, how are they going to adjust to this new rule? And, you know, if a player notices that they're about to hit the wrong way and they try to adjust their body, that could be enough to allow the offensive player, you know, if the defensive player tries to change their stance or their body movement, that offensive player, the ball carrier, could quickly move around them or break a tackle uh, while the defense is still in that mindset of trying to change their positioning uh, and just kind of break the tackle and, and pretty much get loose. Uh, it's a frustrating situation to be in. Uh, listen, I, I'm, all, I'm for protecting head injuries. The NFL has to do something about it. Uh, people are saying that this is killing the NFL. Well, look, head injuries could kill people. They could kill football players. Um, they, uh, and, and I think it's wrong that defensive players... I'm shocked at how many defensive players in, in this sport, college, or high school, the NFL, whatever level, I'm shocked at how many defensive players lead in with their helmets. First off, you're going to hurt the other guy doing so, and I don't think it's fair to that player. Second of all, you can hurt yourself in doing so. Maybe not at that moment, maybe you do, but eventually you're just going to deal with uh, you know all these headaches and, and dizziness, which is never worth it. And so I understand the league trying to make a change in that, but I think there's also, it's too strict, and it's hurting defensive players and really just how they're doing uh, to the point where I'm hearing fantasy football shows discuss how this could be impacting where you select the defense. If it's getting to that level, that's when you know this rule is taking a bad turn and it definitely needs to needs some adjusting. But the NFL announced that they are not going to go with that anytime soon. Talking actual football here. By the way, Jamal Charles almost reunited with Alex Smith in Washington, but not going to happen as the Redskins went with Adrian Peterson over Jamal Charles. Listen, I don't know if Jamal Charles has a lot left in the in the fuel tank. I think he will play for a team this season. I think there will be injuries that take place at some point as the season goes on, uh, and then Jamal Charles eventually will sign up for a football team that, that desperately needs a running back. I think he will play. Uh, it's kind of similar to Darrell Rivas. Maybe it doesn't happen in the first couple of weeks. Maybe it happens mid-season or during the second half of the season. But Jamal Charles will play for a team in 2018. But I do think this is going to be his final season in the NFL. Final thing I want to talk about. I, I, I know the National Anthem protesting, that's still a thing. Uh, as I'm sure you guys saw Albert Wilson. Uh, he took a knee uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Never protested last year. I had some guy try to convince me that the reason Albert uh, Wilson was let go was because uh, he protested with the Chiefs. Uh, when he never did, by the way. He never protested in Kansas City. Uh, I don't know where people get that from. But anyway, Albert Wilson, now at the Dolphins, uh, he kneeled during the National Anthem. And that caught some attention, as did some other players. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Bateau Aurorik who is running against Ted Cruz in the Texas Senate race, uh, he had a great speech uh, when he was asked about the national anthem protesting. And one of the things he said was that logical people can disagree on this issue, which is something I have been saying for a while. And we have President Donald Trump, who's viciously attacking NFL players, uh, just wanting to get his agenda. And as the president, he's not looking at the other side of this. He's not listening to the players. He just wants to drive his agenda. And listen, I, I just think with this 
whole notion of attacking the other side, and, and I'm talking about this from both sides, uh, but we see this more so from people who aren't wanting to hear out NFL players. Uh, no one wants to listen to them or look into the reason as to why they're doing so. And Aurorik made a great point here saying, listen, the issues with police brutality uh, against African-Americans, they're ongoing. And a lot of these police officers are not suffering any consequences for this. And on top of that, nothing is being done by the higher ups, such as the guy who's criticizing NFL players for the issue. And nothing's being done about it. The situation situation just continues to get worse and worse and worse. Um I, I saw a video uh, on social media this week that went viral, um, and the caption was, this is why NFL players are protesting uh, a white man who is fighting off three multiple police officers uh, and eventually actually stole one of the cop cars. I mean, no excessive force was used on that guy when there should have been. Uh, but a lot of people are making the case that, you know, had his skin color been different, uh, if it was a, of a different ethnicity, then police officers would have done something. Look, I, I mean, I, I really do hate that subject, but I don't think there's there, – there's no lying in that. There's a lot of fact behind that. We've seen this time and time again. We And Aurorik mentioned there are unarmed teenagers and adult African Americans who are being beaten – for no reason. And I think there, he's right. Something's got to be done about that. Uh, listen, we can disagree on the pro. I don't like that, that the players are protest. I, I'd love it for if they all stood for the anthem. But I, I, I stand behind them uh, in this cause because they need to stand up for what's right. Uh, a lot of these guys, keep in mind, a lot of people never experience racism. If they grow up, uh, you know, where they were born and if they're in the majority ethnicity and all that. Uh, that doesn't mean racism doesn't happen just because it never happens to you or if you never see it out there. Um, these are It's a very serious issue. It really is. And I've dealt with it personally, as I've shared before on the podcast. And hopefully, uh, you know, we have leaders who can come together and, and figure out how can we squash this and how can we end the protesting. Because, sure, we'd all love for it to end, but I think these players, I don't think they're asking for much. They, they want to see uh, equal treatment. And I don't think that's anything bad that these players are asking. It's just an issue that people are not wanting to hear out the other side. And that's where we're we're never going to come to the middle if we don't listen to each other. I mentioned this before, uh, but it just seems like it's an ongoing issue. But hopefully people can get Aurorik's message and people can hear him and understand the situation. Let's go out of bounds. Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer suspended three games for mishandling knowledge he had about a domestic violence dispute with former assistant Zach Smith, uh, which, by the way, uh, Ohio State fans gathered uh, in front of the football facility, uh, brought out their lawn chairs like it was some watch party, waiting hours for an announcement as, as you know the university officials and, and people involved were, were meeting at the time. Here's my instant reaction to that when I heard about this. That's it. That's all he's getting, just three games? I mean, I feel like that's a very soft punishment. Now, at the same time, I do have to look at the other side of it and say, hey, what exactly could he have done? And look, I get it. It's in his contract. A lot of these coaches, college coaches in in positions like this, 
when they hear about something like this, when they have knowledge of something uh, uh, that, that goes on like this, something horrifying like this, they need to speak up and let someone know or do something about it because they they have to. And I get that. My thing is, you know, when someone who you know in a workplace, maybe you don't know them too well personally, but you know them uh, enough in a workplace to, to work well, you know, and on a football coaching staff, you have to have that kind of rapport. Uh, but what could Urban Meyer have done? I mean, could he have totally prevented this? Perhaps. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, hope he, he admits he mishandled it and he wish he could have done something. And I think that's the, that's fine. As far as the punishment goes, you know, maybe I thought a little bit more than three games uh, would have been necessary. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I mean, what else were you, were you expecting? They're certainly not going to fire Urban Meyer. I mean, if this was David Beatty, the head coach of the Jayhawks, yeah, they're canning him out. They're sending him out of Lawrence. But if it's a big-name coach who has done so much for your program, uh, like Bill Self or uh, Bill Snyder, I mean, yeah, they're going to give him some leeway. That's just the way it works. People don't like to hear that. But in our society today, uh, those who have a lot of power and... They bring a lot of attention to a sport, a program, uh, a team, whatever the case may be. They will make some exceptions for those guys if they break a rule. And that's just the way it works. Such as this guy right here, Conor McGregor. We all know what happened to him in Brooklyn when he vandalized a bus and in some of the uh, areas at the uh, uh, Barclays Center. But he got away with it. Uh, No charges filed against him. And the match against him and Habib Nurmagomedov was made for early October in Las Vegas, which is nearly sold out, by the way. And listen, the UFC has not had a pay-per-view with more than 1 million buys since 2016. That was the same year Conor McGregor and and Ronda Rousey. uh, I mean, they were a part of the UFC at that time. Since then, Ronda Rousey has left. She's now with the WWE, and Conor McGregor went to go pursue that boxing match against Floyd Mayweather, and he's been wanting more money, and now that he's back in the UFC, a lot of people are expecting a big buy rate. People think this pay-per-view could see as many as 2 million buys. I don't think it goes that high, but I certainly think it'll come close. It might break the pay-per-view record, which was 1.615 million buys, which was the rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz in 2016, in August of 2016. I think it'll come very close to that. I think it'll be somewhere around that number and if it does reach that threshold, even if it breaks it, it just shows you how valuable Conor McGregor is to the sport of MMA and to the UFC. And I think it'll be solid proof that he's he's bigger than Ronda Rousey, Chuck Liddell, uh, and so many other great fighters in terms of superstar power. I really do think that's how big Conor McGregor could be. Probably, maybe not the best fighter out there. And look, I, I don't think he wins this fight against Habib, but I do think that it'll still put him above everyone else in UFC history as far as the biggest superstar ever. People don't realize this. Out of all the sports, MMA has the biggest business factored in to their sport because of the buy rates. That's just the way it works. And you know Conor's going to bring in a lot of cash that night for the UFC. Final topic I want to touch on on this segment, Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors was quoted saying he wants to stay in Golden State for the rest of his career. Uh, Look, I know we've seen big-name players like Peyton Manning, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. They've switched a couple of teams here and there. They've spent a a lot of their times with one team. 
Uh, I mean, LeBron, yeah, went back to Cleveland, spent a lot of his time in total in his career there. Uh, but a guy like Stephen Curry, with everything he's gone through in, in, in his life, uh, you know, playing at Davidson, always just being underestimated, always being underrated, and uh, you know, getting drafted finally in the NBA and playing with Golden State and where he has gotten to at this point and with all the superstars on that team. And keep in mind, his wife is also a big-name celebrity as well. She's been hosting TV shows. I, I, I'm sure she, she's involved in a lot of... Uh, charity events, uh, maybe even some local commercials that she's uh, a part of there and is making a lot of money herself doing all of that. Uh, those who have, have have a big hand in that community. I mean, you could just hand those to the key to the city uh, in uh, in the Oakland area because that's how big uh, their fingerprints gone around in that city. Stephen Curry, phenomenal athlete, has brought so many championships to Golden State recently. And, uh, of course, Aisha Curry, his wife, uh, she's been doing a lot in the public, in the media, and they're well, uh, they're a well-known couple in in the Oakland area, in the uh, in the uh, in the Golden State area. So, listen, why wouldn't you want to stay with Golden State? I mean, if you go elsewhere, look, he'll be a big superstar regardless. But you kind of have to start all over with all of these business aspects that you're raking in. I mean, consider all the money he makes as a player, and then on top of that. Just every everything he makes from other media events that he's a part of there. As well as his wife, who, as I mentioned, has been doing a lot of that. That's a pretty hard thing to attain elsewhere. It's almost like a radio host. You know, let's say someone in 610 Sports Radio uh, has a lot of sponsorships, does a lot of live reads from businesses. But then they move out to Miami, Florida. Obviously a bigger market, but you have to start all over with those personal sponsorships that you get from businesses and that's not an easy thing to build up as as great as you are as big of a as big of a public figure you can be it's never an easy thing to build up and Stephen Curry has everything going his way in Golden State why would he ever want to leave that basketball team no reason to ever leave that team ever final segment of the show let's throw some penalty flags This is how crazy some people are. A New York Knicks fan is selling his quote-unquote fanhood on eBay. And the current bid is at $3,000. By the time this podcast is out, it's probably going to be more than that. Who's buying this? Like, what what do people have $3,000 for to buy someone's quote-unquote fanhood? Like, what's happening here uh, in society? I, I, I just don't get what happens like, what goes through someone's brain that they think, okay, I will spend three grand because I have nothing better to do. You know, I, I could easily be ahead of a car payment by, oh, who knows, half a year, maybe a full year even, depending how much you're paying, what your minimum is. But I'll just go ahead and buy someone's fanhood. Who, who cares, right? I, I just don't understand that. Uh, I, I don't know what the final number is going to be, but I'm pretty scared to find out. I really am. The MLB released its schedule for 2019, and they do this around this time every year, and I've got to say, it kind of shocks me, and I don't really like it. I remember when they released the schedule uh, at this time in 2015, they scheduled the Chiefs and the Mets to play uh, each other early in the season. In fact, that was going to be their first opponents for each team. 
And they kind of lucked out in that because the Royals and the Mets eventually met in the World Series after that schedule was released, and they already knew they'd be playing each other to start the 2016 uh, baseball season. So you, you kind of luck out there, but I think for the most part, they should hold off on the schedule release and release it sometime uh, before the winter, late in the fall, because let, let the season play out. Let the postseason play out. Find out who your champions are going to be. And create some marquee matchups. Listen, some of the popular baseball weekends we have are Labor Day weekend, 4th of July week, uh, or, or if it falls on a weekend, even better, Labor Day weekend. You know, people are off work and a lot of them want to go to baseball games. So uh, I, I think Major League Baseball should hold off on, on the scheduled release and create marquee matchups for, time, for those holiday weekends, essentially. And give fans an even better reason to go uh, because of those potential matchups there. Uh, I, I just think it's weird to release a schedule during a season. I know it's kind of the waning moments of baseball season, but still, uh, more than a month to go. And I think you can hold off on it. And I get there are so many teams in baseball and so many games. And it makes it, you got to be ahead of the curve. But I think you can hold off and try to find some of those marquee matchups. Do some switching around here and there. That way you can figure out, uh, you know, when to have some of your marquee matchups on, on those notable holiday weekends uh, to give fans, again, a, a better reason to go to games, especially on, on a holiday weekend. All right, look, I, I never condone uh, criminal activity, robberies, uh, never. Uh, this one, though, I mean, I feel like you could at least do something better. Uh, a thief is wanted after stealing nearly $100,000 worth of ramen noodles. Stole a large trailer uh, packed full of ramen noodles uh, in Georgia, uh, where this happened, and uh, I guess he's still at large. What is someone doing that, you know, I remember there was uh, Joseph Randall, the former Oklahoma State running back who stole underwear I mean, why are you stealing underwear? I mean, listen, again, like I said, I don't condone stealing things or any other criminal activity, but if I was going to steal something, I don't know if I would steal ramen noodles or underwear. I'd probably steal something, you know, a little bit more pricey. Again, not worth it because people get caught in all of this, but uh, really ramen noodles? I mean, that's what someone's going after? I mean, they're fairly cheap in grocery stores, depending on the brand or, or how much you buy. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think it's worth... It's ever worth stealing anything, but ramen noodles, of all things, uh, come on. I, I mean, that just... I mean, that, that, that's worse than spending 3000 bucks on someone's fanhood. Maybe, it, maybe you would disagree. I don't know what's worse. I guess they're both pretty damn terrible... But this is just all sorts of ridiculous. It really is. And ramen noodles. $100,000 worth of ramen noodles in good old Georgia. I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out on that one. Because I don't understand that one bit. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chief Stone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vesugian. A big thanks to all of you guys for downloading, listening, and making this podcast part of your day. Whether it's during your workout, at work just relaxing at home, whatever the case is. Appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button as well to spread the word about the Chief Zone podcast. And if you haven't already, like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzin Like my page, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, at Farzin21, and 
email me, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. Enjoy the preseason game this week against the Chicago Bears on Saturday. We will be back on Monday with Matt Connor of Arrowhead Attic. We'll talk about that third preseason game and talk a little bit about the 53-man roster. Uh, what potential surprise cuts could we see? Uh, who could maybe make some surprises and make the 53-man roster? We'll talk about that and much more with Matt Connor on Monday's podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you on Monday.